Welcome to the God is Able radio broadcast, the ministry of Old Savannah Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Austin Frady, and we're excited to have you joining us today on the radio. Now go with us as we open in prayer and in song with a message from God's Word. My boat of life sails on a troubled sea. Ever there's a wind in my sail. But I have a friend who watches over me. When the breeze turns into a gale, I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. Calm the storm, make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. Sometimes I soared like an eagle through the sky. Above the feet, my soul can be found. An unexpected storm. May you drive me from the highs. It brings me low, but it never brings me down. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm. Make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm. Make the sun shine again I know the master of the wind He can calm the storm make the sun shine again I know the master of the wind Revelation chapter 4 this is such a such a deep chapter so much in it. I, I know that I won't preach all of it. There's no way. I just want to give you a few thoughts that's uh, been on my heart last couple of days from this particular thought. I'm interested tonight in God's throne that's mentioned here in, in Revelation chapter number 4. The Bible says in verse number 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on, that, on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads coal 
crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which, were the, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like unto a lion, the second like unto a calf, the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like an e- a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, and, the re- and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and the twenty elders fall down before him and that sat upon the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Let's pray tonight. Father, as we come before you tonight, Lord, we approach this passage of Scripture, Lord, with great reverence. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for telling us, God, of these things in the Word of God. I pray tonight that you'd help me, Lord, for just a few minutes to be able to convey, Lord, through this stammering mouth, God, the things that you put in my heart, God, to say this evening. I pray, Father, that you'd seize in the message with a touch of the Holy Ghost. Give me unction, Lord, to be able to preach. God, I ask you tonight, touch these people that are here this evening. I thank you for each one of them. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd put your hand on them, bless them. God, I pray, Father, you'd give them, God, meat from the Word tonight. I pray that you'd help them, God, with the struggle or whatever they may be going through. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts. Lord, we pray. Face somebody here tonight needs to be saved. I pray this will be the hour. Face somebody listening by way of the Internet, God, that needs you. I pray they call upon you where they're at tonight before it is eternally too late. Lord, for all that you do, God, we want to give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In this particular chapter in your Bible, Revelation chapter number 4, we have done quite a bit of preaching in the last year or so at different times, and some of it's been scattered out over different times. I'm sure that uh, many of you are familiar with the context of Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3. We've preached different messages from that, and we've given you the history of it, kind of what it symbolizes and what it represents in our Bible. And we understand tonight that Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3 gives us a picture of the church age. In those two chapters, you find that the Lord spoke through John to seven churches, seven literal churches that were in Asia Minor, also representing that historical period uh, in the church age, and also speaking to you and to me. And as we come to the close of Revelation chapter number 3, we find that in chapter number 4, something takes place that is totally different than what we see in chapter number 3. We see that there is a vivid picture, one of the most vivid pictures that we see in our Bible of the throne of God. I find that as I begin to look into Revelation chapter number 4, though it is a relatively short chapter in our Bible, just 11 short verses, there is much that is said in these 11 verses, much that I could not expound upon or tell you what they mean. But might I say tonight, I can't help but read in these 11 verses without it stirring my heart. There's something about these verses, though. It is, ladies and gentlemen, foreign to me to read about some of the things 
that are mentioned, especially around verse number 6 and 7 and 8, about those beasts and those things. But ladies and gentlemen, there's something about Revelation chapter number 4 that inside of my soul I began to rejoice and began to thank God. I'm glad, ladies and gentlemen, that as we close out of Revelation chapter number 3 with a terrible picture of man in his failure, a man in his rejection toward Christ, Revelation chapter number 3 closes out of verse number 20 with Jesus standing on the outside of the Laodicean church knocking on the door but ladies and gentlemen that Laodicean church they feel as though they are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and they refuse to answer I was thinking today about in Noah's day what it must have been like when Noah would tell the people why he was building an ark why he was laboring why he had devoted his entire life to building an ark when it had never rained on the, on the face of the earth why he was doing what he was doing and ladies and gentlemen I can imagine the people would listen and they were intrigued for a while but after a while they began to just to say that Noah was crazy and they began to make excuses and they no longer came to hear and they no longer came and listened to what he had to say but friend there was a day when what Noah said came true but the people of that hour had refused to listen we find that the Laodicean church is much the same they were a church ladies and gentlemen that had opportunity but yet they received uh, refused to receive the opportunities that the Lord had presented to them and Revelation chapter number 3 closes out with man's failure but ladies and gentlemen in Revelation chapter number 4 we see that there was nothing wrong in heaven we see ladies and gentlemen that God he was not affected by man but rather he affects man amen I find ladies and gentlemen there is a great contrast between Revelation chapter number 3 and Revelation chapter number 4 we go from chapter number 3 being in earth to Revelation chapter number 4 being in the heavenly you go from the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter number 3 being unwanted to Revelation chapter number 4 he is the one that is worshipped ladies and gentlemen we go from being able in Revelation chapter number 3 to hearing what the Lord has to say and in chapter number 4 John is literally seeing the Lord sitting upon his throne Revelation chapter number 3 is a picture of man in his sinfulness rejecting the Lord but in Revelation chapter number 4 there is perfect harmony and holiness among the throne and around the throne of God I find ladies and gentlemen that we are in an hour that is most discouraging we're in an hour that is ladies and gentlemen far different than what I've experienced since I've been saved I know I've been saying that for some time but it's the truth and I want to say tonight ladies and gentlemen as I spoke with that gentleman I requested prayer for today I told this gentleman today I, I, he was talking about his condition and that it was irreversible and, and that it didn't look good but I, he began to tell me that he'd been saved by the grace of God and we began to smile and rejoice in that uh, little place where we was at I, we began to thank God that our best days are still yet ahead of us and this is exactly what Revelation chapter number 4 teaches us and it tells us though mankind closes out Revelation chapter number 3 in failure and in sin ladies and gentlemen the best days for the children of God and for those that have been saved by God's amazing grace are yet to come for you see man's failure does not change the fact that as John looked and he saw in verse number 1 he saw in verse number 3 one that was sitting upon the throne how the Bible speaks my friend so vividly and so clearly that John literally saw verse number 2 one sitting upon the throne ladies and gentlemen 
gentlemen, he didn't see uh, just the vision. He literally saw the Lord there. And thank God tonight it is encouraging to our heart that as John saw this, that it is true. That it's not a figment of our imagination. As Peter said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. The world may uh, try to say that all that we do is a delusion and a deception that it is vain in coming to church and worshiping the Lord. I'm here to tell you we have not followed cunningly devised fables but I'm telling you it is the truth. I'm thankful tonight that it is real. I may not be able to explain it as well as it should be explained but I'm telling you there's something in my heart that testifies every day that I live that Jesus is alive and well. That the Bible is the word of God. That the church is where we ought to be. That loving one another is the commandment of the scripture. I'm thankful tonight ladies and gentlemen that it is real that it's not fake it's not a fable it's not a falsehood but I'm glad tonight it's real I'm glad I'm not serving a dead God but I'm glad my God's very much alive and well John seen him there sitting upon his throne he didn't see him cowered down at the devil he didn't see him ladies and gentlemen in a tomb he didn't see him ladies and gentlemen bound by mankind he didn't see him ladies and gentlemen fretting or wringing his hands by the things that are going on but he saw him sitting upon that throne Revelation chapter number 4 in great power and in glory he saw him there in the midst of his holiness he saw him there ladies and gentlemen the one that was rejected of Revelation chapter number 3 being worshipped by the four and the twenty elders a representation of the church those that have been redeemed those that have been saved by God's grace I'm telling you free and God will be worshipped there may be many on this earth that will refuse to worship him but he will be worship thank God I find that John said this in verse number 1 he said after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven it seems as we read that first verse that this throne and we know this to be true this throne is unapproachable by man in Revelation 2 and 3 out of all the church age was able to do they could not approach literally this throne they could not go to where this throne was my friend but John said there was a door open I'm glad one day Jesus is going to come back for you and he's going to come back for me that's been saved by the grace of God I'm glad there's a door that's been closed it's going to be open for us the church is going to leave and I'm glad ladies and gentlemen our eternal address will be hallelujah square we'll no longer fret and worry and toil in this life we'll no longer have to fight the devil and ladies and gentlemen contend with the flesh but I'm glad there will be a door open Jesus said John 10 and 7 I am the door Uh, ladies and gentlemen the only way that's possible for you and for me is by the shed blood of Calvary thank God for the door tonight thank God for a way that's been made you see I couldn't go to heaven if I wanted to in myself I'm not good enough never could be good enough won't never get good enough but I'm glad Jesus said I am the door he's what he's saying is I'm the way maker I'm the one ladies and gentlemen that's preparing and making the way thank God tonight there's a way that's been made. I'm glad there's a way for the drunkard that'll get saved. There's a way for the drug addict that gets saved. There's a way for the liar, for the cheat, and for the thief. There's a way for the self-righteous, for the Pharisee. There's a way for the hypocrite to go to heaven and to see the same throne that John saw, thank God. And that way is Jesus. I'm glad, ladies and gentlemen, that he came to this earth. I tell you, it's a terrible picture when we look at Calvary. But I can't help but say, thank God for Calvary. Thank God for the cross. It's a terrible picture when we think about our blood-stained Redeemer hanging upon that 
cross with the nails in his hands and his beard plucked from his face. It's a terrible picture when we think about him at the scourging post. It's a terrible thing when we think about all the multitude that day crying crucify him, crucify him. It's a terrible thing to think about how his mother failed as she sat at the foot of the cross and beheld her son dying for the sins of mankind. But in my heart and in my soul I can't help but say thank God for the cross because of the cross tonight a way has been made a door has been opened the gate's been swung wide that somebody as wretched and vile and sorry as I used to be thank God can go to heaven I'm glad that because of the cross there is a way made for whosoever will and I can't help tonight but say thank God for the cross I'm glad there's a door passageway I'm glad this throne is maybe unapproachable by a man, but it's not unapproachable. Through the blood of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, one day we'll get to see what John saw. It's a picture, ladies and gentlemen, of the rapture of the church being taken to heaven. I'm thankful for it. And I want you to notice that the Bible says in verse number 2, the distance that is mentioned. How the Bible speaks about John, my friend, being immediately in the Spirit. And immediately he beheld a throne set in heaven. He goes from earth, chapter number 3, verse number 2, immediately to heaven. Can you imagine with me in our mind thinking in terms of miles the distance between here and heaven. How they, the scientists have telescopes that can look, ladies and gentlemen, a great distance in the outer space, but yet they have not found this throne and they have not seen where God's heaven is. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, but in just a moment of time immediately in the twinkling I believe of an eye, John was caught up in the spirit and he was transferred from earth to heaven there was great distance in uh, terms of miles but ladies and gentlemen it was so close that it only took him a split second to get there I'm telling you friend God may seem like he's a long ways away sometimes but he ain't that far away friend heaven in distance wise miles speaking it may seem like a long ways to heaven but it's not that far away that ought that much more the rather to us to me and to you how to strive to live for the Lord because we know not when our day will be, that we'll be called up, that we'll go to that particular place. I say thank God the distance is not that far. This throne, ladies and gentlemen, in Revelation chapter number 4, I just want to give you a little brief overview and I'll be done tonight and I'll get out of the way. It speaks in this particular chapter. It divides out from the church age to the rest of the book of the Revelation. And when you study through the book of the Revelation chapter number 5, through the end of the book, you'll find that there's some terrible things that happen upon earth. There's some terrible things that go on. And there's some things, ladies and gentlemen, that are far uh, more even so terrible that it's hard to even comprehend them taking place uh, uh, the Bible speaks about great pestilence upon the earth a uh, third part of the population dying war and famine uh, ladies and gentlemen all kinds of things uh, that are even unimaginable to our minds even though we see the stage being set in our day and in our hour and some of these things getting ready to take place ladies and gentlemen it is hard for us to comprehend how bad it's really going to be but in the midst of all of that uh, the Bible speaks speaks in, in Revelation chapter number 4 that there is a throne that is a central place of power that there is a throne of truth there is a throne of holiness a throne of authority a throne of judgment a throne of peace a throne of completion and a throne of worship that does not change our choir sings that song so wonderfully he's still on the throne 
And in Revelation chapter number 3, he was still on the throne. In Revelation chapter number 5, guess where he's at? He's still on that throne. In Revelation chapter number 20, guess where he's still at? He's still on that throne. He may have been kicked out of the Capitol building. He may have been kicked out of schools a long time ago. He may be, ladies and gentlemen, barred from the hearts of many. But he's still on his throne. Amen. The world may not want him, but he's still on his throne. Many churches may not want him. He's still on his throne. They may be a lot wrong in this world, but church, let me remind you tonight a simple truth that you already know. He's still on his throne. Ladies and gentlemen, see this with me, and I'll try to get out of the way. The Bible says in verse number 3 that he, that he that set was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, the sight like unto an emerald. Now, a jasper stone is a stone that is clear, completely translucent. But it is extremely hard. This speaks of the fact that God is firm or fixed, that He is unchanging. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that does my heart good. That in the midst of an ever-changing world, that we have a God that is unchanging. In the midst of a world that is constantly rocking and reeling. And one day this is right and the next day this is right. And it changes constantly. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a God that does not change. He is forever fixed and firm. He is, ladies and gentlemen, the definition of solid. Amen. No doubt all of you that are in this building tonight. You've dealt with somebody that you really thought was there. But come to find out, they compromised and, and they ended up going a different direction. They weren't who you thought they were. Amen. I'm telling you, the devil will try to grab a hold of that. And he'll try to get on your back and he'll try to tell you that's the way every Christian is. And he'll even go as far as to try to convince you that because that's the way Christian people are, that that's the way God is. Not so, church. Amen. Our God is firm and fixed and solid. He is the Lord. He is, ladies and gentlemen, the unchangeable God. Jesus Christ, the, yesterday, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Unchanging. When he said that he would save you, that's exactly what he meant. When he said that he wouldn't appoint you under wrath, that's exactly what he meant. When he said, ladies and gentlemen, he'd never leave you nor forsake you, that's exactly what he meant. And no matter what happens... That never changes. Amen. When he said we're in Romans chapter number 8 that nothing separates us from the love of God, that's exactly what he meant. Amen. You can rejoice in that this evening. A sardine stone is a stone, ladies and gentlemen, that is red. It, they, they say that in color it is fiery red, representing two different things, the blood of Jesus and representing the judgment of God. Those two things in your Bible represented by that color, the blood of Jesus and the fact that God, ladies and gentlemen, is a God of judgment. It goes on to speak about the emerald or the rainbow that was like a sight unto an emerald. And I was thinking today about this. There's a lot in all that. And I ain't got time to preach it all. I don't really feel like the Lord wants me to tonight. But that emerald around the throne, I want you to try to picture it with me. Here you've got the throne of God, God sitting in His holiness. And you've got this rainbow like unto an emerald all the way around the throne. Every rainbow that you and I have ever seen is a multicolored rainbow and it's only half. Amen? Nobody's ever seen the whole thing. <laughs> but one day we're going to behold 
around the throne of God. A rainbow like unto an emerald, pure, completely pure. An emerald is a greenish color. And it speaks green in its color. It speaks of a couple different things. It speaks of peace. And it speaks of life. It's springtime here in the mountains of western North Carolina. And when we look out over the fields here in the mountains of western North Carolina, we see the trees that have been dead all winter begin to come forth to life with green leaves. It speaks of life. It speaks of vitality. Ladies and gentlemen, one day we, we've seen part of it. We, we've seen and we've experienced in our hearts peace and we've experienced in our hearts life. But in our flesh we experience every day turmoil and we experience death. We ain't seen the half yet, though, church. We've got the earnest in our heart. But one day we'll get to see the whole. We as a church, we, as old Savannah, we don't say this in boasting, but we glamour and glorify the Lord in it. But we've seen God do mighty things. Amen. We've seen souls saved. We've seen entire families get in. We've seen, ladies and gentlemen, revival. We've seen the unusual. We've seen that they could look at it and say, we've never seen it on this fashion. God's moved in our midst. But we've never yet seen the half. <laughs> Just a part. In my personal life, I've seen God. I've experienced His goodness and His grace. In your life, personally, you've seen God. You've seen a loved one on the brink of illness. God revived them. You've seen, ladies and gentlemen, the hardest circumstances that you ever dreamed you would ever go through. Things that you never thought you'd be able to make it. You've seen God deliver you from them and through them. You've been through storms. As a young man or a young lady, you said, I'd never be able to go through that. You've seen God carry you through the midst of those times. But we've never seen the half. Of the greatness of our God. We could, we could stay the rest of the night. Just between me and Brother Kevin. We could spend the rest of the night. Shouting the victory on the goodness of God. Amen. We could spend the rest of, the, the rest of our life. Glorifying in what God's already done. I know it's probably prideful to say, Lord, if you've never done one more thing, you've done enough for me to thank you the rest of my life. That may sound prideful. And, and, and in reality, in my heart, sometimes I say that and probably don't really mean it because I need God to do something for me tomorrow too. But, but I'm telling you, it is the truth. I could, if I was really where I ought to be, glorify and praise the Lord for what he's already done because he's been so good. But that emerald around the throne, it teaches us we ain't seen the half of it. Hang in there, church. The best is yet to come. There's so much about God that we know, but there's that much more that we ain't even begin to comprehend. Amen? You know, we've all got them questions we want to know. There's things in our Bible that sometimes we just, God just don't turn on the light switch and reveal to us. You know what I'm talking about? Every preacher's got a question that he needs answered. Every church member's got a question that he needs answered. I had a gentleman ask me the other week a question, and, and I just really couldn't answer it. I didn't know the answer to the question. I just had to kind of hum all around and act like I know what I was talking about when I really didn't. Anybody else ever done that? Amen. When we get to heaven, I often think that maybe some of those questions won't even matter. There is so much more about God and His goodness, His grace, and His mercy 
that it will be revealed to us just in his sight and in his presence. John was the beloved. He was the one that was so faithful. He leaned on the breast of the Lord Jesus. When, when Jesus made that statement in the upper room and he said, He that dips with me and he that said me, he's the one that will betray me. You know, the, you know the statement. John's the only disciple that cared enough to say, Lord, search my heart. Is it me? That's what he was saying. What, what he was saying is, Lord, if there's something in me, I want to fix it now. I don't want it to be me. He's the only disciple that cared enough He's the only disciple that was humble enough to search his own heart. Is it me, Lord? God showed him great things. I'm telling you, friend, I believe when you get saved, I believe you're saved, but I believe you can lose your rewards. Amen? I believe when you get saved by the grace of God, I don't believe there's anything you can do to lose your salvation. That's Scripture. It's Bible. I ain't preaching on that tonight. I'm just making that statement to say what I need to say. But I believe this. I believe that if you get saved by the grace of God and you disobey the Lord from that time on, you don't serve him, I believe you lose your rewards. Amen. John got to see great things. I want to see God in all of his glamour and all of his glory. Amen. On this throne, it teaches us that God's in control before he's in control all through the great tribulation and, and, and all through reading Revelation chapter number 4 about the throne of God. It just simply speaks about the fact that God is in control. And I know that I've preached much on that subject, made that statement probably a hundred times in the last year, maybe more than that. And I want to remind you, when your heart feels like a stormy sea, when your mind is so bombarded, when your spirit within you feels like it's going to bust from the turmoil and the trying times, the trying situations that you're going through right now, you remind yourself that God is still seated upon his throne. You remind yourself that he, he was, the Bible says in verse number 8, I believe it is, verse number 8, he was, he is, and he is to come, that he is eternal. And nothing in the past thwarted his power. Nothing in the present will change it. Nothing in the future will kick God off his throne. Well, that's all the time that we have on the radio for today. But if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or be a part of one of our online services, we invite you to find us on Facebook at Old Savannah Baptist Church, on our website, oldsavannah.org, or on our YouTube channel. And also, we would love to hear from you. You can send correspondence through Facebook Messenger, or you can send an old-fashioned letter to P.O. Box 628, Dillsborough, North Carolina, 28725. Thank you for joining us on the radio.